Hello, everyone. I am back, Keaton, with season two of my world-renowned podcast, The West Noise. It's been a minute, and um, it has felt like it. This was by far the longest summer of my life, and I did not at all feel that it went by quickly. I've had five jobs. Um, I took several trips. I saw Radiohead three times. Three times I saw Radiohead in Detroit and then spur of the moment decided to drive to Cincinnati with my friends. And then at a Waffle House in Kentucky, actually, after that show, we decided it was a good idea to then drive to Pittsburgh to see them for the third time. And all I'll say is out of 75 songs performed that we got to hear Paranoid Android. And that's all I really wanted. Um, it's been a really good musical summer too. Kanye put out five albums, which is far more than I could ever dream of. Uh, Pusha T's was awesome. I loved Ye's solo. Kitsy Ghost was phenomenal. Nas was a bit lacking, but you know, I'm not the biggest Nas head. Maybe, maybe I'm just not an old head and that's just how it is. Uh, and then Tiana Taylor's album was awesome too. Really, really good. Yeah, there were a lot of good albums this summer. Beach House uh, put out Seven, which was awesome. Arctic Monkeys was okay. It was definitely different, and I appreciated I appreciated hearing something different. Um, ASAP Rocky's testing was really, really good. Father John Misty's album was awesome, who I actually got to see over the summer at a festival in Indiana. And I'm going to see him again next Saturday, which I'm very excited about. Interpol put out a new album and it was really great. I'm seeing them on Sunday. And then um, towards the end there, Travis dropped Astroworld, which was kind of disappointing, but definitely had some good moments on it. And that same day, Mac Miller put out Swimming. And uh, yeah, I have not I have not been taking his death well at all. Um, I didn't know him, so obviously I can't be too dramatic, but I, I really liked that album, Swimming, a lot, and um, I liked him when I was younger a lot. Alex and I would listen to Donald Trump pretty much on repeat, and The Divine Feminine especially was really, really special for me, and we got Alex and I got to go see him for that tour, and it was just really, really fun, and I'm just, I don't know. I've never cried over a celebrity dying before, but when I found out about him, I kind of just broke down. And I think it's, I think it's just because I really, really rooted for him. Like I followed him on several social medias and he always just seemed to be so thankful and pleased to be doing what he was doing. And I just always really, really liked seeing him. And like, he was the kind of artist where like when he succeeded, it was just like, yes, like you deserve that. That's awesome. Not even to take into account, like how different his music became since his like frat rapping days. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. I kind of talked to Alex about doing an episode where we just kind of talk about Mac and listen to his music and discuss him as like a tribute 
and I was going to go see him in November because I was just, I love swimming. It's so good. Yeah, um, definitely a really hard hit, and it's still, it's only a week ago today, so it's just not sitting well with me, and uh, I hope he's resting up wherever, wherever he is. And on that note, um, today's episode is, actually, it's a good thing, it's a very, very good thing, it's a very special thing, um... My first guest is Alex Summers of Seeger Rose, not in the band, but partner of Yonzi, lead singer and incredible producer, engineer, artist. Um, he produced some of my favorite <laughs> albums of Seeger Rose's ever, Kaviker and Valtari. And he also did a, an album with Yonzi called Rice Boy Sleeps. But what's important now is that he did a soundtrack for an episode of Black Mirror called Hang the DJ. And he did an excellent job. And I've been trying to talk to him for a while now, so I'm really, really thankful that I got the chance to speak to him. It was kind of surreal talking to someone who's made things that are so important to me. And yeah, that's what I'm that's my philosophy of life right now. That's what I'm trying to go for is just be very appreciative of who I'm talking to and what I'm doing and really take note of everything that's around me. So yeah, uh, welcome back. If if you listened before, like that's incredible to me. If it's even one person who goes out of their way to listen to me talk and talk to other people, I appreciate it a lot. I know it's time consuming and it's not just, it's a, it's a very real choice to sit here and listen. So thank you. I, I really, really appreciate that. I got a new mic and hopefully it sounds better and I'll suck less this time around and I uh, got some new software. So I'm really trying to figure out this whole game and and make myself a little more legit. So yeah, thank you and I hope you enjoy it. And here's my talk with Alex Summers. It does not sound like it. <laughs> I'll say that. Well, I mean, the original like score over the whole show was done in forty eight hours, and I think I think I actually just skipped one or two musical cues because I was like, "Fuck, I can't get it done in time." <laughs> and then there was like a period of on and off revision. So definitely, oh, like right. what you hear wasn't like literally done in twenty four hours. <laughs> okay. But yeah, most of it was most of it was done like really fast and just like, which is a really cool thing for me because like. I love deadlines. I love when you have a frame around a certain project and then you have to exist within that frame where it's not just like possibilities are endless. I find it really healthy because mm-hmm. you um, tend to squeeze every drop of creativity out of 
that frame which you're in and that frame was just such a small time window so yeah i definitely feel that i I never know how or when to start projects that i have to do because it's like there's so many possibilities so that is kind of nice to know that you have to have it done by a certain time um yeah and i I had a creative call with um with our director tim about what they were hoping to get and um um it all sounded kind of in my like aesthetic musical aesthetic right yeah, it definitely fits. All kinds of stuff. And I think the only thing that was added after the 48-hour burst was um, Yonsu's vocals. Mm-hmm. Because I think Tim, our director, was keen to have some vocally moments just to have voice as a presence in the score. So um, that was added after. And Yonsu was is so clever. Um, I didn't really give him any instructions. I basically <laughs> just told him the pieces that we felt that he could sing on. And, and he just you know, did his part and came out effortless and very nice. Yeah, it was beautiful. I remember because I'm, I'm a big Black Mirror fan and it's rare that like, I especially with like your music and because it's like more instrumental and it's very soft and so sometimes it's not like, there's not like a certain instrument or like the Red Hot Chili Peppers. It's like you can tell by the funk bass or like Primus, there's a bass on it. Like it wasn't like that, but like as soon as I heard it, like, Probably like halfway through the episode, I was like, this has got to be like Sigaros. Like, this sounds very, very similar, or at least like Summers. And sure enough, and I was just very pleased, very pleased to hear that. But yeah, it it doesn't sound quick. Like, it, it's it's really, really beautiful. And it was probably my favorite episode from the season, I would say. And the music helps, like, an incredible amount. And I think it's, I think it's definitely underrated sometimes how much the music actually contributes to it, for sure. It's definitely a cool episode. Yeah, we all liked it too. The Cigarettes Boys and myself, I thought it was like neat and um, definitely a cool project worth doing. And it was um, yeah, really fun to be a part of that team. So did yeah, you did you watch it like before or after you made the music, or was it like during? How did that work? Yeah, so basically after the creative call with the director, um, we were sent the picture, and then you basically have you know the dialogue and the sound effects all like separate so you can kind of bring things in and out as you're writing the music it makes you know facilitates that person and mm-hmm. yeah i'm just in my studio in los angeles and like i said i worked really hard for two days straight a little sleep break somewhere in the middle <laughs> and then um cigarettes boys wrote their you know the big more like climax yeah scene at the very the episode um that was obviously territory that Cirrus can handle much <laughs> yeah. better than myself. And, and they did a really beautiful piece they wrote. And then after they wrote that, and I kind of took it and shaped it to picture, and I ended up um, adding some things and taking away some things and just, yeah. Um, so, yeah, it was a good collaboration of me kind of going in, like, full hyperspeed music making for a few days and then Cirrus boys sending their piece and um, then just slow revisions based on what, the director and a few of the producers had wanted things slightly altered, but all in all, I think it was it was a pretty creative and painless process to arrive at the. That's really the awesome, and and the, what's weird about that to me is like the music sounds like, like what I've always described Sigaros to like other people, um, like it it sounds like life music, I guess. Like it doesn't sound like, like it's not a typical, like chorus hook and then like you know what i mean so it's just like it this the songs feel so long and important so it's just weird that like you just came up with that like on the spot how, how like 
how do you even begin to do that? Like, do you, I know you went to school for music, so is it just you start writing the notes or do you get something in your head and then you just sort of add on to it like over and over again? I guess I, I watched the whole episode through without doing any, actually like playing any instruments. Right. And I just made scribbled some ideas down about just more like mood, like this could be really dark in this spot and this mm-hmm. one should be kind of pretty and floating it. Then I think I watched it right afterwards. I watched it again and was like pausing it a lot playing on my piano and um, playing I have like um, loads of samplers and piano and acoustic, a lot of acoustic instruments around my studio mm-hmm. and then also in the last few years I've gotten really into like sampler instruments which is like nerds all over the world <laughs> record that record sounds and then they make like instruments from them so they're not they're not synthesizers they're like sampler instruments Huh, I've, and, um, that's weird. I used to only—it's so cool. And like, I used to only make my own, and I was a bit snobby about it. But <laughs> now I've like totally opened that door, and like, there's so many cool little developers out there that are making sampler instruments. So yeah, it was a mixture of like pausing it, um, playing the piano quite a bit. I use piano a lot for writing and mm-hmm. um, playing organs. Um, I don't think there's any guitar on this at all, actually. Um, and then my own sampler stuff, and then loads of sampler instruments that I've sourced uh, just trying different textures and things and um, typically like music cues in film and TV they're not super long uh-huh. you, you know usually yeah for sure so, so yeah you just kind of start I think I just started at the beginning and just you know started going away and I did some percussion which was fun because like I usually don't put percussion in my music I just always forget that that's like a thing <laughs> I just my mind doesn't go there but um, when you're doing scoring stuff, percussion is sometimes a really crucial component to keep to keep scenes moving. Yeah, know, for sure, because it's got a nice tempo stuff. to it. Yeah. Yeah, so that was cool. And a couple of the cues, not that many, but I got to do some percussive stuff. Like, I think the first cue of the whole show was percussive. That was fun. Cooler. Make some weird beats and noises. That's so interesting um, to me. That's That's awesome. So what's different about, like, like making music like that and then like what you've done with Cigarose with some albums like I know you have tons of credits of like co-producing making music engineering but like what is it that you do like if, if you're not making music if you're not actually playing the instruments what are you doing like in the studio especially for like albums that aren't yours like explicitly um I really blur that line like most of the records I've produced or co-produced I get really involved because it's just how I am I'm not like a passive person in the studio mm-hmm. so I do end up playing a lot of the instruments um, not specifically with cigars because um, I don't know they've just been making music for like 20 some years <laughs> that's like something I haven't felt the need to interject myself into right um, all the stuff I've done outside cigars yeah I end up playing like loads of the instruments and sometimes even co-writing um, I do engineering a lot so I like yeah just choose how to capture the sound once someone has a part or um, it's, it's all very like fast spontaneous like if you're making a song producing with someone and they're playing something when they're playing it like usually in real time I'll hear like a harmony or a complicated part so as soon as they finish I'm like hey what about this right. and they might say oh that's a good idea what about this so then kind of like snowball overdub ideas and typically like you might record too many and I do like 10 passes on piano and 6 guitar and 5 organ <laughs> and then um, it's also I do a lot of mixing which is like so fun it's very much an extension of production and composing really for me like you have all these tracks and then you know you can mix it 
very like passively where you just make it sound good but i i tend to never do that i usually end up fucking everything up at the next stage like, <laughs> sometimes change the key of the song or cut it up or slow it down or speed it up or like you know random parts that were just an overdub become like the lead musical element or like so it's a lot of computer stuff at that point right it's like listening to the song soloing and muting elements and finding out what's the most interesting thing we have here and like maybe try to make that focus mm-hmm. um and doing arrangements like sometimes do string arrangements with people or even suggesting certain players like i have a percussionist named Samuel Kaltzman and who I work with loads and like just bringing in cool people from all over who do interesting things who might otherwise not be a part of an album you know that that helps when you're producing mm-hmm. mixing that's really cool I like that a lot how did you yeah, an open, you know studio is like an open playground and like I'm not super good at playing instruments I mean I get by <laughs> really? on guitar and piano <laughs> Yeah, but I'm not, like, super good. Like, I don't consider myself, like, a great musician at all. Like, even a good one. <laughs> but um, the studio is kind of more my zone. Like, I love layering and composing with sound in that way. Like, I feel like that's my domain where I'm, like, really comfortable. Wow. I didn't know that. That's, that's really interesting. How did you... Since, obviously, you're, you're like you said, you're not just, like, a musician. You don't just play guitar or just play the piano. How did you end up going to like Berkeley and did you did you know going in that you wanted to be like mostly a composer or like mixer or was it just generally music like how did how did you go about did that um yeah I was I was like 18 and I didn't know what I wanted to do of course like most people who are 18 but I knew I wanted to do music the only thing that ever made sense so I ended up enrolling in film scoring major and the music therapy oh really I had like a double major um music therapy is so interesting yeah it was pretty interesting it was super interesting I didn't know very much about it but um I think I was just unsure of like what I should do and I did some composition courses I did like a tiny bit of music synthesis I did music therapy of course and like harmony and counterpoint and I was interested in kind of all of it but there was never like one clear path and actually mm-hmm. I was I had zero interest in engineering and producing until way later until like 2000 really? and kind of like 2006 7 is when I started getting interested in microphones and recording studios you know I didn't have any contact to recording studios like I had no relationship to studios I was just like you had a laptop <laughs> a micro cassette recorder and like one yeah. really shitty microphone <laughs> Right. So I never saw the potential of like working in the studio really until later. So I'm not trained as an engineer or anything like that. I just figured it out slowly over the years. Huh. How did you go from like what happened after you finished college? Well, I actually have never finished any college. I'm a double dropout. Double dropout? Hey. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty pretty good track record. So I just <laughs> A little, a little over half of my studies at Berkeley, and okay. I thought it was time to move on, um, which was it was great. I really enjoyed it, mm-hmm. but um, I felt like it wasn't for me to stay there for another couple of years. So right. I ended up moving away with some of my best friends to Tuscany. Just I sold a bunch of music gear, so I had enough money to do that, and then okay. it was great. I ended up started getting more into visual art stuff. I was like drawing and painting and making video art, and then it's around the time I met. 
fiance, my partner, and um, yeah, where'd you meet him at? In Boston, like, really? Around the time I was leaving Berkeley. So um, yeah, and then when I had kind of decided to leave Berkeley and I was living in Tuscany, we decided that we should give it a try, and I would move to Iceland. So. Yeah, that's um, that's a huge leap. <laughs> that's crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. Was it yeah, like a wild. show? Like, how did you guys actually meet? I don't mean to be like, what's your story? But like, no, 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 was he just like there touring or what? Yeah, yeah. So he was touring with Cigarettes and it was like 2003. And um, because he was playing a show at my school. Um, he actually oh. met my brother, who was, who was also studying at Berkeley. And then I were there together. And then my brother introduced us, and we all kind of hit it off, and we were hanging after the concert and the following day. Um, yeah, the, I mean, that was just that. And then Cigars came back later that year, maybe. Uh-huh. And then we, like, hung out again. But that time, fortunately, they had, like, loads of downtime. I think they were playing two shows. Mm-hmm. And then they had, like, two days off or something. So it was, like, a proper, like, four or five-day trip. Right. And that's when we just, like, really fell for each other, and we are kind of... Um, really keeping in touch basically from then on right that's crazy that you just um, then you just go to Iceland <laughs> wow yeah so then and then I got to Iceland and my second part of the double dropout was um, I went to art school and, I, <laughs> and that was amazing I actually really really enjoyed it and I feel like it was a really big part of my development because um, I'm really untrained I don't have any like skills when drawing or painting like properly you know it's quite right. really bad but um but I liked the raw expression of it, and I liked that you could kind of do that in a non-judgmental way. And uh, yeah, it didn't matter what your technical ability was; it was about your ideas and like your execution and what you're doing. And um, yeah, and that, that was um, also a bachelor's program that was three years, and I only did two, and then I quit. <laughs> so, what was, yeah, was there like a degree, degree, or was it just like make art? Yeah, it was like a bachelor's in fine art. Would have been if I would have finished. How was like uh, not having like not being able to speak any of the language there? Was that like tough? Like when you went to school there and stuff? Actually, it was. Yeah, like the school was all in Icelandic, um, so that was definitely tough for sure. <laughs> um, but all the kids and all the teachers do speak English, but oh, you know, the, okay. Everyone's like fluent in English in Iceland. They're very, very good. Really? Yeah, yeah, of course. So that makes it really convenient. And in my normal life, um, I just spoke English to be honest with everyone. Oh. And um, I can understand Icelandic, you know, pretty well. Mm-hmm. Like, I'd say I can understand, you know, almost everything at this point. And my speaking is like just halfway kind of broken, <laughs> kind of basic. That's crazy. I've always, I've always heard like, cause I've, I have a bit of an obsession with Iceland. Like I've always wanted to go and I just think the language sounds so like, cause since it's just like a little place, there's not really any places around it where like the language is similar or like, you're like, Oh, is that Icelandic? Like, I feel like at least me, like when I hear Icelandic, I know that's it. Cause it just sounds so strange. And I've always heard that it's like the, one of the hardest languages to learn because of that. But that's really interesting. I didn't know that they spoke English. That's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. They're great at English. Is it as beautiful as it's made out to be Iceland? I think so, yeah, for sure. It's, um, it is a really, it's like an anomaly on the planet. Really? The more I travel, the more you realize it. And, um, Mm -hmm. it's just a tiny, tiny society, you know, Reykjavik is the only like big city in Iceland and really small society. People are very friendly. People, everyone knows each other. Uh, the arts and music communities are very intertwined. There's very few like boundaries and Mm -hmm. a lot of musicians 
play with many different people and play in all different styles. And, um, people loan each other equipment, and wow. it's just a it's a really cool vibe. Um, and of course, then the job to the countryside and the nature is really harsh and extreme and kind of threatening and beautiful. And um, yeah, there's kind of just also like everyone has their feet on the ground in a way too. Like there's no like status around anything. It's everyone's mm-hmm. just really humble and like like no one's ever trying to, you know, right? Kind of like. I don't know. No one's ever trying to draw attention to themselves or like everyone's just really has their feet on the ground in regards to their work and like what they're trying to do. And I think that was really cool for me to get exposed to. It's like really nice. Sometimes in the U.S. in certain scenes, there's a little bit of like, it's just not as like everyone has their feet on the ground and is focused on the integrity of their work. There's sometimes mm-hmm. other elements that come into play, you know? Right. That's really cool. I've I've never really been anywhere. I'm from Michigan, so I've been to Canada once and then like a couple states, yeah. but I've never really been like anywhere. Um I really want to go to I'm Iceland sure you though. Did it. Yeah, yeah, I absolutely I absolutely will. I don't have any worries about that. Um I'm just so young that I haven't haven't been able to financially, <laughs> but yeah. no, of course. Iceland's top of the list for places I want to be. And I know it's been very touristy like in recent years. But there's just every every photo I've ever seen just looks incredible. And um, Sigurosa's uh, documentary Hema, or I don't know how to pronounce it, but that I've watched that so many times, and it just looks incredible. It just looks absolutely incredible. Yeah, well, no, I'm so glad you like it, and it's, it's great that it's a lot of people around the world are coming to like. I mean, you know, I'm not anti. <laughs> it's a beautiful place and yeah, people that come are for sure. really respectful and happy to be there so it's not like anything ugly going on good were you like a fan of Sigaros before you like saw them or did you like get into them as you like went to the shows no I, I knew who them I had known their music for a couple of years I guess I got Albert Asturian that's weird mm-hmm. that's Someone so gave weird it to me when I was like uh, whatever, sixteen or seventeen, mm-hmm. or eighteen. I'm not sure. Maybe eighteen. But um, yeah, that was amazing. I was really psyched that when they were playing in Boston. So it was definitely really sweet mm-hmm. to to you know just meet the guys and and the aunts and I had such a spark. It was definitely surprising and kind of surreal. And, yeah, that uh, sounds really beautiful. Time. That sounds so crazy. I can't even imagine. Yeah, it was wild for sure. Do you like ever listen to them? Like, is it? Is it weird to, like, hear their music now? I mean, okay, sorry. Let's say before you started... Gosh, wow, that's crazy. You you were a fan, and then you made music for them and with them. That's wild. Is it weird listening to any of their music, but also, like, before or after you started making with them? Like, is that strange? No, not at all. It just happened really slowly, too. It, was, it wasn't an overnight thing. Mm-hmm. And, um... It was just really slow and natural and organic, and there was never any moments where it was like, should we work on this together? Like, everything <laughs> happened. Kind of the way a lot of things happen in the cigarettes world, where, like, you don't actually even, like, talk about it. There's no formal conversation. Like, really? Like, the like the couple of records that I've worked on them with and stuff I've done with Yonsei is just born out of, like, connection and, like, like situation where, like, it just makes sense and it falls into place. Like, you know, if, like, if Yonsei or cigarettes put out more records, I may or may not be involved. And it's like all just based around like what feels right and natural. And like, right. um, 
So no, I don't think it's weird. And like Yossi, for example, I've never heard him listen to anything he's ever done. He is not one to, he's not sentimental as a person at all. He's not one to listen to any music he's done in the past. He just doesn't, it never even occurred to him to put it on. Um, hmm. So, so I tend not to listen to cigars very much because we live together and have right. a long time. But um, no, it's definitely nice like hearing a good cigars song from time to time and just like still admiring their work. Cause I think they're like such uncompromising, creative, amazing music makers. Yeah, really happy to have been able to work with them and just be friends over the years. That's so strange to make music that to me is like, like they've brought me to tears so many times and like if I made that and then he just doesn't listen to it, it's just like there. That's that's so that's crazy to me. Wow. But it's not like he's denying that it's there. Right, I mean, right. I can't speak for him. Like he's when he's working on it, you're listening to it constantly and you're sitting right. over it and you're mixing and you're repeating it, tweaking yeah. every little detail, but then I think, you know, I'm more of a sentimental, you know, person than you see and like so like I'm different but for him he just wants to look forward mm-hmm. he's not interested in like being nostalgic he's not interested mm-hmm. in, in um, hearing what he did in the past you know, he forgets he just doesn't remember details about <laughs> what that song is called or like how it sounds or like wow. which is actually you know, a more creative way like I I see that in him and I it inspires me and I want to be like more like that myself because it's just putting your focus and your energy on what lies ahead and inventing new sounds and that like, right. Yeah, just being thought in something that was. Hmm. I'm happy to hear that. So, I wanted to ask you about liminal, because I'm very intrigued by that whole thing. I guess. How did that like come to be an idea? Because it sounds a lot like what you're just saying about just everything coming organically and like it just makes sense and like that's how it sounds. But it, it's not like a record. It's not just a. It's not songs you're making and then putting together and then putting out as one piece and physical release and all that. So tell me how you guys decided to actually make that into a concept of just like a never-ending music thing. Um. Well, actually, we can't remember. We talked about it. <laughs> but this summer, because I know it wasn't my idea. And Yonsei's pretty sure it wasn't his idea. And <laughs> our third collaborator, Paul Corley, also doesn't think it was his idea. So we're actually, no one knows where the first idea came from, but um, Cigarus took over Walt Disney Concert Hall for like uh, this like regular festival thing. Yeah, and I remember like that. Part of it. And during that time, the LA Phil or whoever, the regular music festival people, we're just encouraging everyone from the cigarette family to do more performances, more things. Mm-hmm. Just like, what else do you want to do? Like, every venue is a possibility. Like, get involved. And somehow the idea came to do a kind of, like, really moody, like, lie-down concert, which we kind of dubbed, like, a sound bath, even though I think officially it's not a sound bath. It was just a concert where you lie down on the floor. <laughs> yeah. But, um, so we did one. And, and like, that was young to Paul and I, because... We're, the three of us are like really into this kind of stuff we like we all make ambient music we um have friends that make ambient music ambient music has been a big part of all of our lives the three of us since we were teenagers and like it's um it's just something that yeah just means a lot to us and like we love sound and like the patience of chords that are slowly unfolding and like all that and um I don't know it's a side of 
that exist within Sierra's Priyanki, but they don't mm-hmm. really do that much like pull on my handy and stuff because they're they're banned and they they tend to go and music travels, you know, a lot of right. other places. But um, so whatever we did that, we put together like an hour or seventy minute set list, and the concept was just music. We weren't going to write original music because it was like right away. It was like, oh, that's going to be this Saturday or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. You know? And um, we just put together uh, a set list of music, either by Yancey, me, or Paul, or someone in our like immediate horizon, or some of our very collaborative projects. And mm-hmm. then it was really fun, and we really enjoyed it. And we kind of didn't think that would be the case. So then, since then, we've uh, held I don't know, maybe ten, twelve concerts all over. Mm-hmm. And yeah, we're definitely going to do more. But um, it's not something that we're trying to make any of our main project. It's kind of a side project, to be honest, and it's like, when the moment's right, when the venue is right, we would love to do these kind of weird, ritualistic, cult-like, <laughs> lie-down concerts where like, we can gather people together who are into this kind of patient music and just zone out and do it for like an hour, 90 minutes or whatever. And um, maybe even collaborate with like visual artists we can talk about like, yeah. like cool, like, lighting designers or like whoever and like make weird spaces and and like um yeah so it's not a band in a traditional sense we just Mm want to make weird happenings and do stuff that's like sonic and beautiful and um and then also yeah the mixtape thing is just born out of that so then we're getting together and basically creating a mixtape and then someone had the idea that maybe we should just start a series of these mixtapes that's yeah um and it's music you can't find anywhere else. That's the only like constraint on it is um, mm-hmm. even if it's a song that's from the past or been released, we we have all like remixed it or um, done something weird to it. So it's either like all new original music from from us or like altered music. From that's really past. cool. I like that a lot. I like. That. Yeah, I think it's, it's really neat. We just mastered our second mixtape, so. I imagine that'll be out in about a month. I'm not oh, sure. awesome. But um, it's, it's really nice. Like, I'm really pleased with doing these kind of mixes. It's, it's really mm-hmm. fun to do. So what is, like, in, in accordance with that, what is, like, a sound bath? Tell me to you what a sound bath, like, means. Well, that's the thing. Like, I, we didn't use that term at first. Other people were saying that about what we were doing. So, huh. I don't, I don't really have a relationship to that phrase, but um, I guess what a real sound bath is, is when you take acoustic instruments like crystal bowls or like tuned gongs or stuff like that, hmm. and you have people sitting or lying down in a space and you like make sounds with them that kind of resonate. And I guess it's supposed to like resonate in your body oh. and create some, like weird like resonances and harmonies and it's like super beautiful and therapeutic. Um, hmm. So basically what we did, we just played a concert but everyone's lying down right so it's like but, a, um, a hybrid sort of thing yeah exactly and like we figured if it's just built as a concert people think they're coming to see a band play <laughs> original music and they're gonna stand there and that's not what we want so like we, we discovered if we just make sound bath people come <laughs> they actually like they sit down and lie down before we even start so then we walk wow. out and starting this like room full of people laying down or, so like I don't know the word is take it for what it is but it works for us to use it just so the vibe is more mm-hmm. I will say I, I've seen Cigarettes once and 
I've been to like 40 plus shows and it wasn't a sound bath because people weren't laying down, but like it was unlike anything I've ever experienced. Like I couldn't even like this goes for your music, like and their music and along with everything you're saying about like your concerts, like it is not a typical concert going experience. Like it, and it's so loud and it's so, it's just so like, I just love the music you make because it's so different. It's not just like a song. Like it literally is like a full experience. It's hard to put into words actually, but I remember I just sat there like with my mouth, just agape. And I was just like, I don't understand how these sounds are coming out of these dudes like it was just it was just crazy so i, w- I would love to yeah, see your guys's like n- non-sound bath sound bath thing <laughs> well we're doing um we have a concert two concerts in los angeles yeah uh, one october 13th and one october 14th and then um that's it i think for 2018 anyway yeah i know i wish i could make my way out to california <laughs> within a month or two no, I mean, hopefully we'll, we'll do more. Yeah, for sure. It'll just be sporadic and kind of random, like, when it feels right. Yeah, because it doesn't seem like something that you tour. can just... Yeah, yeah, it doesn't seem like something you can make into, like, a tour where you play three shows in a week, or, like, consistently, because it's so... It just sounds like such an ordeal a little bit. Yeah, I mean, we could technically, and then one minute we talked about it, and we were, like, really considering it, but then it just didn't feel in line with what it is. Yeah, be, like, yeah, I feel that, boring, for like, sure. That, because it doesn't yeah. feel like a typical concert that you just tour a bunch yeah. of dates. Like, it seems special. Like, it shouldn't be so heavy in abundance, I feel like. Yeah, exactly. So since you said, um, like, you guys don't really listen to Secret Rose, what do you listen to? I'm very, very curious to hear that. Um, well, I'm really getting into normal music again. <laughs> normal music. For, for, for a long time... Uh, Ian's and I were like really bad. Everyone made fun of us because we just listened to like really old timey music, like Billie Holiday and Edith Piaf and Django <laughs> Reinhardt and like this weird old dude Washington Phillips. It's just like the most crusty. We were just <laughs> trying to find the most old crusty recordings. Um, I think your brain doesn't process it as music. It's just sound. It's like this background comforting sound. Yeah. It's like there's no bass. There's no treble. So it's just this really narrow old-timey mid-range sound that is yeah there's no like it's not like a soundscape it's just like this grainy little feeling yeah and you you don't like your ear doesn't like follow the chord progression you're not getting distracted by it it's just like ambient it's kind of ambient music if you think about it that way i love billy holiday okay so i'm out of that though that's where young still is (laughs) but i'm i've been listening to all kinds of good music the last couple years and i'm really excited about new music now and um my favorite new musician I guess I heard him in 2014, so it's not, I've been listening to his stuff for like four years, and his name is Ian William Craig, and hmm. he just blows my mind, it's like... I'm unfamiliar, what is he like? Yeah, he's kind of, un, he's under the radar, but his stuff's really phenomenal, um, it's like, I feel like in my work, ever since I was like 18, honestly, I've been searching for this like, mining this like sweet spot between like pure sound, like sonic soundscape, and like a good song. Like right. chord progression that, that means something and a melody that's memorable and like but like where do those two things meet? Which I'm like super interested in them both. And I feel like Ian William Craig is like a, a very satisfying place on that thread for me personally. So 
Um, yeah, he has an album called A Turn of Breath, which is like masterpiece. It's so good. I'll definitely give it a listen for sure. Yeah, and um, then, yeah, just other great stuff. You know, Grouper has been making loads of good music, and um, William Bazinski, and listened to a lot of like Oval, which is like just like 90s electronic stuff. Yeah, I don't, I don't recognize any of that, but I'm, I'm very interested. Um, what else is cool? Mark Fell just put out a record like two, three months ago. I forget what it's called, but it's the latest Mark Fell album. It's really nice. Cool. Well, you're sharing a bunch of new stuff with me. Yeah, like I said, I'm into music again, so it's exciting. <laughs> I just, oh, you know what's also really new? I just heard it last night, and I was kind of like really taken by it with the new Julia Holter single. Julia Holter. Yeah, she's been doing loads of good stuff for like years, but um, her new single was like so crazy, like like beautiful songwriting, and whoever engineered it mixed it. I have no idea. It sounded crazy, like. Like, pretty impressive. Well, I'll listen to that, too. Man, yeah, I'm excited. Just came out a few days ago. Do you listen to any, like, typical music? Like, any rap or, like, any indie rock or anything like that? Yeah, for sure. Um, what was I, I've actually, like, I think the thing is with rap is, like, I never liked it as a kid. Mm-hmm. I feel like all my friends now that love rap, it's because it was, like, something they grew up with, and then they're, like, reconnecting to it. But Right. So like I kind of never listen to rap, but like I love like if it comes on, I love it. It's fun, <laughs> but like I don't I don't like own any rap records, and I don't like stream it. I don't, really? I'm not familiar with no. Wow. I know I'm a nerd. You're not a nerd. Um, it's a it's a very special genre. Like there's a there's a lot to be found in it that's not just like at, at least. Uh, modern rap right now, like with Migos and just trap, very heavy SoundCloud beats and auto tune out the window. Like those are a bit different, but there's a lot of very reflective, poetic rap for sure. For sure. Hey, what about the sad rap? It's like Swedish people. Is that, that's the thing, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, um, I don't know if he's from Sweden, but Young Lean is very like. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, cool. it's it's different. It's really different. I love anything yeah. that'll like test it, and then I think my thing with rap too is like it has to be it can't be too macho, and I like when yeah. it's a little bit lo-fi because it takes like the yeah. cool guy edge out of it. Sometimes the music's like too cool and like pisses <laughs> me off a little bit. Right. So like yeah, when the rap is like not like so cool, if it sounds a little bit shitty and lo-fi or a bit distorted or like the rapper's rhythm is a little bit bad or imperfect, like. And I'm kind of like way more engaged with it, but it's right. just like, I feel like that. clean, like like chauvinistic. But I'm a little bit less engaged. Yeah, it's just boring. Like it's, I don't know. To me, like it's really hard for me to find songs that there's like no substance to it. Like it's good to have fun with stuff sometimes, but there are certain songs. It's just like I can listen to it and I I got nothing out of that. <laughs> I, I I gained nothing. But um, even. This could, this could possibly crucify me, depending on your opinion. But even Kanye West's new albums are very, like, introspective and actually musical and not just bravado and heavy hi-hats and things of that nature. Yeah, I actually, I, stupidly, I still haven't listened to the new Kanye West that came out in, like, June or whatever. Um, I heard, like, the first single. And oh, I always listen to his, like, when he puts out a record, I always listen to it mm-hmm. at least one time just because I'm like really curious right um, what he's going to come up with think, 
yeah, I always think the production's like fucking amazing. Um, oh, it's sometimes incredible. Sometimes I wish that he would release like an instrumental version of the album. Yeah, I feel, like all I feel the that. The are kind of strange and kind of like very modern and cool. Yeah. Um, it'd be cool to hear that. And it's always like, fresh too. It's just always true. fresh. I'm a bit of a Kanye fanboy, so I'm not going to dive in totally deep. But yeah, I just... That would be very cool to hear just instrumentals because he's always doing something different, even if it's a little bit. And I like that a lot. Yeah, he put out five records in June, so you should definitely catch up on that. He did... Uh, yeah, I did catch up. He did Pusha T and then his own. Then he did the one with Kid Cudi. Then he did uh, a Nas album. And then Tiana Taylor. And they were all just different. Very different. That's super cool. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you talking to me today a lot. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. It's really nice to chat. And I hope I gave you some stuff about Black Mirror. Yeah, absolutely. I'm I'm gonna go watch it. I'm gonna go watch it and I'm gonna think about that. And that's that's crazy. But yeah, man, I'm just this is really special for me because, like like I said, I'm really young. Like, I'm only 19, and I'm just I'm just trying to contact people that, like, move me in a way or, or I appreciate. And I, I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to me. It means a lot. So thank you. Thank you for that. I, I did learn, and it's special. Thank you so much. No, it's really nothing. Thanks so much for being so encouraging. It really means a lot to hear that. Yeah, of course. Um, yeah, you're very kind. Thank you. I'd, I'd love to keep in touch and hear anything else.